Podcast. This is John. This is Trav. This is Rich. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast of seeing the end, or is it just a new beginning? This week we are talking about Fringeworthy, and specifically about Portals 4. A new edition of Portals, which are the... Uh, well, it's, 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 it used to be a very specific layout of the fringe pass system uh, where each node had its own page but Richard in uh, portals 3 uh, decided to go a different direction and it's now more of an adventurer's log uh, plus additional information it still does have things like layouts of the various primes alternates on the these particular nodes however they're no longer fixed in a location, and uh, it has a lot of flavor text uh, that has to do with the person or persons that are being used as a, a kind of a mouthpiece for to enlighten or illuminate uh, what is on these particular nodes. I don't know what, what other things you guys want to talk about, but the last thing I want to talk about are the new races that you decided to introduce uh, in this game that walked in but of course they're not really new are they richard well some are from some other books um there's pieces of holes that uh connected yep a whole lot of holes oh yeah <laughs> see now we we know again from the original french pass that there's a uh an alternate out there where eight, uh where there were eight races that were all representing of the uh the, the various races that were in your game holes, they all got their own alternate. So are we still saying that they're from the same uh, uh, the same alternate, or has that just kind of disappeared into the mists of time? Um, could be. Uh, they're still there. They are from holes. I haven't tried to compare the descriptions in holes and the descriptions that are well. There isn't much of a description actually in the uh, uh, in the the fringe map about these various races, but uh, uh, comparing the two. Uh, but uh, it's it's interesting that these guys all start showing up, and they don't seem uh, and unlike you know in holes where they're very aggressive and compete with each other, they seem to be really friendly getting along types uh, with each uh, with each other and everybody else when they come to Earth. Uh, the Gelong Gang. Is there a reason for that, or is it just because it's, it, uh, it's how you wanted the, uh, it, the, the scenario to go? It's part of the main scenario, 
some are extremely close to the uh, Commonwealth Tremelorin. Some are, are more close to the old Tremelorin. But none of them quite like the old Tremelorin. Yeah, nobody seems to like the old Tremelorin. Well, the problem is the old Tremelorin have decided that if they come back to Earth, they're going to remake it in their own image of their of their lost T-Prime. And as the Tremelorin are just a couple of points genetically smarter than we are, or the Commonwealth Tremelorin, basically humans will take a secondary uh, status under them. You know, they will pat us on the head, feed us, make sure we're healthy, and basically adopt us into their new T-Prime. Oh, Which look, means, I, have, I have new pets, yes. <laughs> and but not quite. They're, average human to be relegated on their own world to a second-class citizen set. That, and, and no matter how much, oh, the Termellon gave us the fringe pet, that's not going to fly. Not unless we do it to ourselves. Well, we've got centuries of experience with that, but I mean, humanity as a race... Yeah, we, we've always assumed that we would not stand to be subjugated by another race. Right. That's that's pretty much a trope in almost all science fiction and fantasy. Well, it, it isn't subjugation. It's just kind of second-class citizenship. And you don't consider that subjugation? A more covert form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I wouldn't put it past the T-primers to go, some of the T-primers going, Oh, look! New test subjects! Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Maybe. Maybe. We have plenty of examples of that on the French Pass. So, but uh, some of these guys are going to be people's worst nightmares, like the clowns, for example. We already know that there's a lot of people out there that have some serious, serious issues with clowns. Oh, no. My, my co-host walks with silent feet, hates them, despises them. You put them on her feet, and, and she just is like, get that off there. It seems this has come out recently. A lot of people just don't like clowns. They got this deep seated fear. What was and, that movie uh, with it. the space clown? Oh, no, the, oh, the space clowns, clowns from outer space. Yeah, with names like Binko Death Merchant, Kelly the Sad, and General Gumbo Fish Flinger. I don't know. Um, these don't sound like your normal clowns no and they're they're not your normal clowns if you compare them to humans because they are it says they range to six foot four in height and massed 400 pounds now i'm assuming that 400 pounds is their average weight while they might get up to six four and probably stay up pretty much there so we're talking some serious um uh some serious power here uh uh, Kingpin, you know, Spider-Man, uh, I'm sorry, Daredevil Nemesis here. Yeah. Uh, from the looks of it, uh, from the picture you have here, Richard, we also got some Joker, Batman-type gear where they use all the, the tropes of the clown, but they're all weaponized. Yeah. Yep. And, and the thing is, when you see them, they show up in this little car, and then it opens up and 12 of them get out of it. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> but it's a funny image. You got, you yeah. got 15 guys, you got 15 of these clowns coming out of a Honda Fit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be some Tamelorn, you know, reality stretching stuff going on there. Oh, yeah. 
anyways, apparently they uh, they they are warriors and they they believe their colorful costumes are designed to scare the enemy, which again could also be part of the whole why people are so afraid of clowns. Because it also says here that people think that that people who analyze them think that they've been on Earth before. So. Again, it would be a big question when, because we know when Captain Oates, you know, discovered the portal. So uh, when were they uh, going through? Well, Earth has been a prime for, what, 2,000 years or more, Richard? The war was 1,000 years ago, so any time before then, you know, they, they would have set up with the Earth. I remember seeing in Fringer the D20, they, they dated the buildings under White Island, 125,000 years old. That's right. Yep. Yep. So that's a long time. That's more than 2,000 years. Well, here's the thing, Bruce. A lot of cultures, like in Mexico, you know, we see white as, you know, a good color. A lot of other cultures see white as a bad color. Usually you wear white as far as death. And in Mexico, they have the Day of the Dead, where a lot of people paint their faces white. In oh. China. Is it China or Japan, where they thought that white was so bad that they would uh, dye their teeth black so that they wouldn't be white? I think it's East Asian in general, because I remember hearing – basically, they found out in Korea that when they showed up to, to operate on a, a South Korean in white, they uh, had a, nearly have a heart attack, because that's the color you wear to – you know. For mourning and for death. Well, That's why we just, switched over the greens. Saying, I'm just saying with all these, mm-hmm. these cultures that have white-faced people equal bad, that could have been inspired by clowns previously visiting Earth back in the distant past. Oh. And those cultures could have picked that up after seeing these guys and then off they go back to wherever. Well, let's see. Their you know, home is listed as negative five ninety nine prime. Oh no, I'm, I'm looking at when I read this because I, due to geographical proximity, I kind of got one of the first copies um, because I only live a half hour from Rich. You know, Westland Oak Park. I timed it; it's like a half hour. And I'm looking at some of these places where some of these races came from. You know, the chicks, the bugs, the slugs, the clowns, the cagoodies. Off the beaten path does not begin to describe some of their homes. The bugs are at prime positive 244. The slugs are at prime positive 459. Let's see, another race here. The Kagudi, which are also mentioned in the holes game. Positive 316. So, yeah, they're above and beyond what... IDET has explored their their realm, you know, of what is it? Well, positive to negative 125 and then whatever else you add with portals 3 and 4, wherever you decide to put those. Yeah, these guys are not from around here, as the old saying goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I sort of like the slugs. I mean, I would... <laughs> I'm still wondering why it took so long to be able to to at least understand them because you get gifted the language. That doesn't mean you can speak it, but I would think with the language gift, you would soon quickly learn how they talk. Well, there's there's slugs. It took them a long time to get here. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, let's see. They do color flashing. The gifting mechanism of the portal might allow you to understand it, but unless you rig up some type of biotech apparatus that allows you to mimic that color flashing, uh. you're not going to be able to communicate back to these slugs. No, I'm just pointing out that in the description, in a few months, it was established that they spoke in flashes of color, which means the only way I can make this make sense is that they slid was when they came to Hatsumi. They came through, you know, and, and technically they can speak in English in flashes of color. Yeah, what is it? Seeing an apple tree <laughs> a response of green, 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 brown, yellow, red, and red with a specific pattern associated with each color. That's how they described an apple tree. Yeah. Which, of Which course, is, they wouldn't have seen that in Hatsumi. They would have had to travel elsewhere. But or still, see a picture of it. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah. I'm leaving out the other features of this because it's a surprise. I think we want to leave that for the players. The first paragraph, the second paragraph, that's a surprise for the players to find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the Zonies, Richard, um, whose idea was it to make them so stripperific? Ha, 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 Of course, this... And a Disney artist. Oh, that Disney artist. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was recently reading on uh, online how the Disney artists love to slip stuff into supposedly innocent Disney cartoons. Yeah, take a look at the castles in the movie poster for The Little Mermaid, folks. Yeah. And there's, there, there's yeah. some serious rumors that there was a connection between TriTech and the... In, and the movie Tarzan, with some, uh, it looks like Morris code built into the scenes of England. Hmm. Hmm. I have to look up, look that one up. Now, Richard, the Zonies, do they leave all their men mm-hmm. behind? Yes. Ah, okay. So we're not have to worry about the parthenogenic uh, reproduction then. Good. No. <laughs> You know, it could be that there's races out there that uh, uh, can only reproduce with other races. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> We're universal receivers. Well, actually, I think we would be the donators. They would be the universal receivers. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Unless, of course, it's the opposite, and <laughs> that would be a surprise. Not no. anything wrong with that, yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, though. Only if it's not a surprise, it's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> though, if it's if you're getting it from the slug and you're not slug-like, I'm not even sure I know what the kid's going to look like. <laughs> well, um, well, if they're if they're bioengineered engineered in a certain way, then I'm sure that it would be fine. Um, I've I've seen a lot of anime that dealt with this issue. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One in particular uh, had a big had had basically a, a big bucket full of of slime that could whenever whenever necessary take the shape of a buxom young lady. <laughs> okay, Rich, about the races. Okay, I am here on page on the PDF forty three, the Gortai. I am seeing here location prime negative one forty. Languages, Egyptian common, 50%. Am I to understand that this is an actual alien race that shared Coptic Prime with the Coptics? Um, More than likely not. 
I think it was supposed to be a plus 740. Oh, okay. Okay, I was going to say because... You have a few mistakes. Okay, I was just going to say because I've read that as like negative 140 in Egyptian. And all of a sudden just, it's like, oh, by the way, there was a, a, an ursinoid race that shared with it. I was like, what? Wanted to ask that. Okay, it's a yeah. typo, folks. Yeah, <laughs> It's a typo. Yeah. Now, you know, people can say, well, they speak Spanish, Polish, Hindi, but they're bears. Yes. It's one of those worlds where instead of people, it's bears. But yes. otherwise, it's the same culture. It's the same culture. It's it's no different than Disney Disney you know you know Goofy and his kids, more or less. Only it's you know only it's whatever uh, they were. Yeah, you know Juma Juma Whitefoot and his kids. You know. <laughs> yeah, they remind me a lot more of the Borsha. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The Borsha from uh, FTL. No, they're not because they don't like they don't they don't smoke cigarette cigars. Well. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they mentioned something about cigars at some point. I'm not sure it was with the Gortai or somebody else. Someone else, but yeah, but see, the Borcha loves cigars, cheap cigars, in fact. <laughs> A lot of this information is is not actually in anything, John. No, yes, it is. It's in the description for the Borchas. They like cheap cigars. That they love cheap cigars. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I, stand, I stand corrected. Let's see here. Bad traits. Grumpy on waking. Bare breath. Sweet addiction. Well, that's just like everybody I know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is Winifred. This is Winifred. Don't call him Winnie. He doesn't like being called Winnie. <laughs> you know. And he, uh, yes, he's got, he's got a honey addiction. <laughs> of course he does. He's a bear. Oh, bother. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. You know, with Darth Vader's voice doing the Winnie the Pooh lines. Oh, that's great! Jim Cummings reading Darth Vader's lines as Pooh. Oh, as all. You have look up the video. He did it at a con, and just yeah. So this is the inverse of that, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm reading here, let's see, available skills, agriculture, winemaking, mercs, heavy weapons. Oh, yeah, I'd want a Gortai holding the 50 caliber machine gun and doing point duty. Yeah. <laughs> and, Richard, I just found the other typo. Gypsies. Okay. Their, their home world is... is we're, yeah. we're working on that for another revision. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, that one so, slipped by me there. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes now, we work now, we work by templates, and then we go back over the template and change it completely. And every uh, once in a while, an interruption will make the you know will give the right template, but there's errors. On. Yeah, you say that they speak Pol- Spanish, Polish, and Hindi, but under their personality and views, it sounds more Russian to me than anything else. Even though they're supposed to be Egyptian, which I think is odd. Yeah. They're well traveled. Yes. Apparently, whatever world they're on, well, they, it looks they, like there was going to be more languages, but they got cut off. There's Egyptian common fifty percent, then E, E something. Okay. What I would say is, is that you know they're a fringe aware culture, and they've traveled around, and as they traveled around, they found that certain languages just sounded better to them than other languages did. And the ones they liked the, me- the most were Spanish, Polish, and Hindi outside of their, their, their home Egyptian. And that's what they went with. 
to apologize to the people who got the had the book, the we were in a hurry to get everything out for Origins. Okay. This is the so, and it will be corrected given a little time. All right. So this is this is the 0.9 release version. This is the zero point zero. Oh my god! <laughs> the OMG version. Yeah. So, so the gypsies are actually R- Romani. Yes. Makes kind of sense. Yeah. And that also relates back to a, a character, a Tremellan engineer, that's a human being called Tooker. Oh, yes. We can talk about her later. Uh, yeah. Just looking at the other alien races. Uh, let's see. So we got the Kagudi. Oh, the, the Rat Willies. I like those. I mean, it, the hard part some people have a hard time with is that is their height. How tall are they again? About two 14 feet. inches? Two feet. Um, About a foot and a half tall. Yeah, no. Yeah. 20 years ago, I would have said, no, they can't be intelligent. Then they found uh, Homo forensis, who was in that same height range. Oh, the Hobbit Man. And, yeah, I remember hearing yeah. about Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the Hobbit Man's about, I think, top of a three foot, but it's in the range. So, okay, maybe all right. Maybe they can be smart. I mean, what's what's their? Um, uh, oh, you don't. You actually don't have anything about their intelligence here. But I guess they. Well, what, they can build. They can, well, oh, there we go. It's average. average. Okay. All right. What little brains they got? They must use them an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Average. You know, strength. Constitution, dexterity, which you can translate into any other game system you want. Right. You know, yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not forcing into a D&D setting here. This is just, you know, if you don't have dex, if you don't have dexterity, but you have agility, just translate. Constitution, <laughs> just stamina. Average. Know. Yeah, it's average. But low wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not a hundred rat willies. It's a hundred... Armed military rat willies. Then, in fact, I would imagine there must be at least one. There had to be, you know, Richard, there has to be at least one who's a little bit shorter than the rest of them riding a big terrier with his hat shoved into his coat. <laughs> okay, I have no idea what this reference is to. Napoleon. The rat. Again, you know, his, hey, they, their sign was Napoleonic War. I mean, I would imagine one, you know. And, oh, wait a second. Now, here's a question, Richard. There's a hundred of the little suckers. What's their rate of Fringeworthy? What is their rate of Fringeworthy? Yeah. Who knows? Well, in the case of that group, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and, it, and, and, and they're all trained together. I mean, it looks like an entire army. So, you know, it could, they could have probably better, better rates of Fringeworthy than humans. Well, remember, John, as, as time goes on, you, you know, you find out how to make people fringe worthy. And secondly, is that you can breed, you can breed for it in the sense that, you know, once you get into the late campaign, everybody who's a, every child of a fringe worthy parent is going to be fringe worthy. That's true. And looking at their birth rate, one to three, every time you get a litter of three, 
Yeah, that's three more fringeworthy. Yeah, so they could easily. You're right. They easily could outbreed us in terms of uh, fringeworthiness. Uh, an awful lot of races could do that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Oh, just out of curiosity, then what are the clowns? Hey, I, I'm trying to remember here in the in the original Holes book. Did they, there were female clowns, wasn't there? Um, we never showed them. No. Oh, okay. No, it's, I thought there were. So, like baby pigeons, you never see them. Well, here we go about outbreeding the slugs. Their births, 40. That means one female slug pops out 40 of them little suckers at once. Well, if they're slugs, they, that's usually eggs then. But I'm, I've been thinking about that, way, how the tzeal, or, the tzeal could make, do that because they are also egg layers because it takes – a week for the egg to make its way down to the chat to to the through everything to the cloacula, cloaca, cloaca. Thank you. Uh, so if, if you know that well, you're with cho- you're with egg. That's when you go to the portal. And I imagine with the slugs, it's probably the same thing too. Though slug, I hate. Ah. Here's the problem with slugs, though. At least slugs around here, from best I can tell, the female lays the eggs and then the male fertilizes them. In that order. That would kind of pre- uh, presume that that doesn't happen. Man, even lay him on the platform wouldn't work too with it. The platform would clean. You have to get them onto the platform before you can leave them there, John. So the, so the question is, Richard, do they give live birth or do they lay eggs for the slugs? That's, up, that's really up to you. Eggs. Eggs? And is it the traditional uh, fertilization method? I don't want to go into that. Okay, we leave it to the GMs. <laughs> just, just saying is, is that it may not be aromatherapy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We also have some cute chicks. The chicks are great. But I'm bummed. And they show up in like D100 as a group, right? No, no, but they uh, they have D6 births. So on average, they have three they have three 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 eggs. Yeah, three kids, and they're between four and five, four foot and five foot point five foot two, eyes of. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize they were that big. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, get, yeah. Get your folding ruler out and take it to five foot two, folks. <laughs> I love the little idet addition under the racial traits. Fried chicken is no longer available at the mess hall at Hatsumi. Chicks cluster around the meat and mourn the passing of the younglings. Yeah, there. See, that's the thing. You got to deal with things with dealing with other cultures like that. Having like you know, just yeah. That that I'm sure that caused quite an upstir, and they're just looking mm-hmm. at the cooks making that hand across the neck motion. You know, like get the meatloaf, get the meatloaf. I'm just saying is that when I look at chicks, it just looks like a bad cosplay, you know. <laughs> uh, but actually, I, I, since they're four foot tall, and I'm looking at the legs, they're about right. I mean, you would need those that size legs to be four foot tall. Um, do they have hands? Somewhere in there. Somewhere. In there. Oh, because they're cousinettes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I like that uh, slargs don't like them and they actually are allergic to them. Yeah. And the blizzards say, them, them's not right. <laughs> yeah. 
No, you gotta do it right. That's not right. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I didn't realize I was supposed to. Uh, yes, you uh, were supposed to. Do a live reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we don't want to go into too much because, like I said, we want people to buy this. So, um, so let's let's. Uh, summarize here, go back to the uh, original, uh, the areas of interest. So what we have here is we have uh, designer notes in history, we have the uh, Kentucky Fringe Exposition, the Las Vegas Fringe Expo, we have the Arachno, uh, their history, their culture, their discovery. The Arkino. I'm sorry, Arkino. 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 The uh, Tamelron Facts, talking about the Fringe design, Factions, history, shuttles, weapons, the Coptics, history, church and state, weapons and war, encounters and IDA response, and of course the aftermath, and other things and people, which include the uh, Bahari, the Bugs, the Chicks, the Coptics, the Clowns, the GI Techers, the Gortai, the Gypsies, the Kagudi, the Rat Willies, the Tuker Slugs, and Zonies, and then the three. uh, scenarios: the, the Coptic ambush, the Leonardo connection, and the South Dakota convergence. And there's more. There's uh, which is in the aftermath, and I will just leave that for you to find out when you buy it. And that that is the if you take a look at that, that has the most magnificent piece of art that came in for the book, which was the the the, the truck, the fringe truck. The, oh yes, the uh, the Commonwealth uh, transport vehicle. Looked so much like you know. It, it looks like it could have been done by Sid Mead. So this is a hundred-page supplement, um, of which um, there is over sixty pages of of actual new text. There are a lot of handouts for the adventures that are also included. Well, you can tell them a little bit about the Leonardo connection too. Alternate history, it all fit together beautifully. The actual dates that happened in the book turned out to be exact dates for when they were, when Leonardo and Michelangelo were together. And all of that is, uh, is pulled out of pieces of fact. All the best stories are based on a little bit of fact. Yeah, it's our own little Da Vinci code, only it's not, you know, uh, the vessel of Christ you're looking for at the end. <laughs> no, no. It's a, it's a master crystal that was the, one of the key components they needed. John's either shushing you, Richard, or he opened his can his can of Diet Coke. <laughs> no, I'm shushing you. Can't you see I'm putting my finger up? And the <laughs> the the, uh, the Earth Tremelin War, the the town in South Dakota that gets totally screwed because there's something there, and uh, mm-hmm. the question is what's going to happen with the town. Everybody shows up. It's sort of uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, what would you call it, John? The uh, when everything goes right and wrong at the same time, and every single race wow. and faction shows up at this town, and this is a small... Oh my a god. Kerf- a, kerf- a kerfluffle? Or uh, a term that I will modify slightly from from the army. A cluster frack. Yeah, but, but see, that does, that's not normally a good thing, John. Yes. That's very accurate with the situations like, too. <laughs> It's you know it's is it, it, actually I'm looking at I'm looking at the three Miller three no, three to Mellon on page fifty eight the T prime to Mellon look like weasels they look a little different 
I mean, all the races. I mean, we're talking about a spread of so-called Tamalern from the, you know, the bear dog-like ones on T Prime uh, to many different slight variations and even major variations. We ourselves are Tamalern. Yeah. Well, we have form. We just happen to have risen from another part of the animal kingdom. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking at the Commonwealth Tremelon, and I'm looking at the coloration you chose for them. I'm going, oh, and one of those guys never never found the fringes, but they got off the planet. Well, as we know, color is a choice. <laughs> There's well, a, in, uh, in the back of the book, do you notice the Tremelon with the business suit? No. Let me look. Actually, actually, why are they wearing clothes? They got fur. <laughs> the best well, it's suit a jacket, coat. anyway. You know, the, one does not preclude the other. <laughs> I mean, if you had if you had enough hair, John, would you walk around naked? No. That, uh, no, that, we are. Uh... Hey, look, we've got a. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, folks. Wrong right with that. <laughs> the well, no, friends the... with the generic. Book has as not the lion, the Peter Blix lion Tremelorn, which I still can't quite figure out what that is, but uh, it has the the, the more the, the Nancy Janda Tremelorn with the crystal and the uh, with the crystal and the, uh, the the business suit, you know, basically vest. And so uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful cover. We actually showed a poster of it, and people wanted to buy the poster. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually looking at him. He's he's also he's also looks a little different from the other from the other three. The guy in the suit, he's got you know. But there you can see the same basic body plan though. Right, same basic body plan. But he's a key is a, a Commonwealth Tremelon. Yeah. So because uh, I'm looking at the one at the one back in page 58, I'm going. You know, this guy's probably closer related to the Barlow. Yeah. Well, they're all they're all related. Yeah. Yeah, for those who, we mentioned this before in a, in a way, way, way in the past, uh, previous that the Barlow and FTL are Tremelin. Yeah, I, I can see it, and it, it clicked later on as I got, you know, started to hear on the podcast. I'm like, wait a minute, the Barlow looked just like the Tremelin. What the, you know. The only difference is that they embraced telepathy, where the rest of them said, nope, screw it. We don't want anyone sticking in our, playing in our minds. The brown Tremelorin were warlike, so that it actually fits in again. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, we can talk about the stuff of that page with the Tremelorin the suit, cheap suit. Uh, I mean, I like the pocket camps, the the pocket campsite. Those are Tremelorin goods, or actually not Tremelorin, but those are Commonwealth goods. Basically, the junk catalog. You know, humans can buy this stuff now. You know the uh, the instant pop up tent, uh, uh, probably for whatever the prices were there in credits. No, no, it, it's not just a pop up tent. That does not even begin to describe what this is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a packet. It fits in your pocket. You put it on the ground. Yep. You say the magic word, and it turns into a, a ground lock pavilion with all the amenities at home, a working kitchen, sleeping quarters for eleven, and a hundred inch survival data screen. An airlock, atmospheric generation, and food application included, and a pocket fisherman. How much is this yeah. thing? Wait, it's is is it all like hidden off in the fringe in the fringes someplace, and you and you you bring it out of the fringe out, out of the fringe space or something like that, or what? 
It's got to be either magic or nanotech. No, no, no. If it was nanotech, the place would drop a good three inches into the ground as it eat up all the ground to make the dang thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and, and who knows how far the nanotech goes down to pull the materials. Or, or it's not nanotech and it's bio and it's, bio and it's actually everything there is organic. You know, well, yeah, it's still the same problem. You, yeah, it's still, it's amazing. Or the I kind of like pet tent myself. Yeah, the pet shelter, yeah. Yeah, the pet shelter and the roll of duct tape. I still like the uh, Tamelin glue stick. Sticks anything, but you can release it with a command word. So uh, I can see that you, you, you glue someone to, the, to, to a car and you drive them up to the front of the car. You drive off the edge of the cliff and stop. And you're going to talk? No. Aber- Abernathy. Ah! <laughs> hey, we had to have a little fun with the book. And I yeah. keep getting these catalogs and I keep looking at them and going, you know, how could we do something with that? And a 1,300-foot roll of engineer's tape. Now, I'm thinking these are fringe engineers, the stuff they use yes. to duct tape platforms. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I've went through what, how many rolls of duct tape in the last five years. It's, my my wife has has said, uh, if you say the word duct tape in a hardware store, I get to slap you. <laughs> <laughs> but really, you're going to sit there and be walking along on the fringe paths and all of a sudden just look and see a repair and go, really? Even the Tremellon used duct tape? Really? That would make me lose a lot of faith in these godlike engines. It's Tremellon duct tape. You would have to Lucky use uh, an, an RPG or something to get it off the platform. <laughs> <laughs> you could build a house out of it. Yep. There are people who've done that pl- now. What's the point? Plastic scraper. Guys, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the natural fence, which I look and said, you know, that actually makes sense. Uh, as long as you tell it, you know, these are family. Everything else is not family. Did you recognize the fence? Is it a mushroom or? Keep going. It's a miniature. Right. No, no, not right. Everybody, take a look at the back at the at the uh, the natural fence and tell me what it is. It looks like orchids. Think science fiction. Oh, let me get to triffids. Yes. <laughs> Tamed triffids. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Tamed triffids. Well, you know, triffids aren't evil. They're just trying to breed. Uh, do they have the saltwater um, Achilles heel? Um, the original? Probably not, because they weren't in the book. In the British movie, which was the, the penultimate triffid movie, it was uh, they were not allergic to saltwater. But they had they were farming them at the time they got loose, when the the sky blew up and they uh, they were they had anti trippid guns. Basically, uh, little flying disc throwers, and they would just they would just snip off the top. And these and the trippids were rich, rich in oil, and you could actually grind them up and make cattle feed. It was very healthy for the cattle. Apparently, they came out of Russia. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can have your own triffids to uh, keep 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 you safe from uh, predators and prey, and and you never have to worry about feeding them. Well, you don't have to worry about feeding anything that photosynthesizes. They're like um, most insectivore plants. Um, 
they basically they need extra nutrients they can't get from the soil. Therefore, they get them from the insects. Only triffids get them from the squirrels, the cats, the dogs, the birds, the squirrel. You know, whatever can get. They sting something, then they they sit in it as it rots. Yeah, they they tear, they tear off little bits of flesh and put it into their cupulas. Oh no. They they never they never actually did that kind of thing. They just sat and they in the rot and they absorbed the minerals. I'm pretty sure that I read that in the novel. I, I, I'll, all right, Bruce, you, you're going to make me go read the original novel again. <laughs> yeah, Richard, they they had the uh, uh, that whip with the sharp stinger. Know, uh, well, it was a stinger, but it also had some rough edges on r- rough surface on it too. And that was for tearing off the uh, the rotting flesh and bringing it up and dropping it into his cupula. Pretty sure I read that, but that's okay. Yeah, I can see it now. Family going, "Hey, Daddy, do the trick again." Okay, Annie, let me get the get the hamburger and throws it up in the air, and all of a sudden whips come out and. <laughs> ah! <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right, so Richard, uh, tell us how you can get a copy of Fortals 4. Um, everything is available off TritacGames.com, including Portals 4, uh, Murder Hoof came out, the the Dark Pony Invasion of the uh, Earth uh, game. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and uh, what else What else did we release? Because there were like six new products came out. Um, oh, the oh, Easy Space. Easy Space, yes. And if you yes. get to the part of the site, click on Easy Space and enjoy the piece of artwork, which was John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, looking down and a gray alien reaching up and, and tugging on his sleeve. Absolutely most magnificent piece. And that was from Melody. She assembled that oh. out of old press shots, pieces. Uh, Bill Wardrop, who does the master modeling, built a, a gray alien model. And uh, basically, we shot that, and then reduced it, you know, reduced it to black and white, and she matched it all together. And uh, oh my god, it's beautiful! I, I saw it, and I just, I just couldn't breathe. I just thought, oh my god, that's beautiful. Oh no, folks! For, for for those of you who don't know, Bill Waltrip, this man made a a Nautilus, so Nemo sub, and we're not talking the one in LXG. We're talking the old one. Gorgeous craftsmanship. This guy's an incredible. Mm-hmm. Artist creator. Right now, so. he, he's, he's from Steam, SteamNoir.com. He's got a show right now in Atlanta, Georgia at the airport that is so well worth seeing. They're, they're holding it over for a year and three months now. Oh, wow. And uh, until September. And they're going to have him down there actually building a model for them. A permanent model of uh, a French aircraft. Oh, um, yeah. absolutely beautiful, oh. just stunning. And he did the mo- he did the model work for Easy Space. Uh, the Starship spaceships, Melody imported them and re-graphic them into the book, which is very nicely done. But so, Richard, didn't he also didn't he also do the Lechlewillensa? Yes, he did. And that's we had, we had Incursion Three came yeah, out. Yeah, nice sick there, John. The Black Empire. <laughs> See what you which did is there. Hyster- it's it's very much like. <laughs> The Canadians across the Galactic Empire, but with an old freighter, and uh, and they all have Polish names, so we're all going to have to apologize if yeah. we try to pronounce them. 
Oh. Like ca- Captain anyway. Wipakowski? Wipakowski. Wipakowski. Yeah, real, real Polish names. Um, yeah. Hey, so hey, that's, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and there, what, is the, what is the other one? We had the ponies, the uh, that easy space, the other one. Oh, and, and uh, you did Genesis 2. Oh, we did Genesis 2, yeah. Which is the, the second piece of history for TriTech, which was all the second edition games from 85 to 87, which was the second editions of Fringeworthy, Bureau 13, and uh, FTL, which had, has never been republished since. Well, there was a two-book version. Well, the two-book version was the Genesis 3, which was the 90s. Right, that's, but yeah, those are still actually all available. Yeah, so the so Genesis one was the original first editions of all these, including the very yep. rare binder version of FTL, which was the yep, old. It it didn't start out to be a binder edition. It's just the problem was the the book got much larger. We couldn't bind it right. The binding kept splitting, and then we turned it into a plastic spiral bind. That was the second edition. And the problem there was the spiral bonds were great for gaming, except when you put them in a hot car of over 100 degrees, all the binding unraveled. Yeah. 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 Well, we definitely have to do a show on Easy Space. And if, and, 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 and if, if we had to probably hold around his foots, uh, hoofs to the, to the fire for, the, for murder hoof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yep, and that came out out of a uh, Trevor. Trevor Bennett did the first miniature. We actually comes out with the miniatures too, right. and he painted the first miniature and named it Murderhoof. So we we immediately dove backwards. Instead of Pony Wars, we redid it as Murderhoof, and uh, that actually we ran out of those at Origins. Oh, and, uh, in fact, it was uh, Jolly Blackburn. Uh, had one of the, I gave him one of the packages, and he just he just broke up. And uh, I guess he's giving it to Luke uh, Gygax, who they say is a, a brony, um, as a present. And he had it on his website almost as, just as it came out. It's so funny. I try to when I when I explain what I do to my coworkers at my main job at the Napa Detroit warehouse, my second job, which is here, TriTech. And I explain murder hoof. And just the look I get from it, it's split between, oh, that's cool to just that humor the wacko look. Mm-hmm. And just so it's, I'm like, yeah, and they've made figurines and they're some of the hottest sellers that TriTech has right now. <laughs> they, they go like that at the con. So, yeah, yeah it, it's it, it just explaining that my mundane coworkers. There seems to be no middle of the road on murder hoof. <laughs> yeah, and I I, I used a uh, online program to generate some of the pony pictures for the game. So you oh. did, and uh, so and we even explained why the ponies look different than the the actual aliens, and that's actually it's in the book, and it's actually only nine ninety five, very inexpensive book. So. Anyway, so that's the we, we, origins was very good. I, it almost makes me want to go to Gen Con again, except I don't think it's a good idea. Um, as for financially, it would have to be just me to go down maybe next year to run some games. And I think we might actually consider that. Hmm. Hey, 
That's what Trav and I do. Yeah, uh, I, I will backpack in a small number of uh, new items, including brass and steam. We've got we're twelve pages now into two hundred and probably sixty pages. Oh, brass and steam, and possibly cloisters too. Well, I would like to do that and do some uh, adventures. The next set of miniatures we're going to be doing is probably the Combat Clergy series. Uh, with uh, was it uh, Sister Mary Winchester and Father Father David Kalishnikov and uh, some kind of a novice, uh, a fighting monk. Oh, d- don't forget the monk that's carrying the god awful big shot- shotgun, weather, you know, fa- you know, Friar Weatherby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, we that's a we'll be, we can only do three, but we have to be doing oh. really well here to do three more. Don't forget Sister Boom Boom O'Reilly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, the, the, the idea for them, if they're going to be designed, they're going to be done by Andy Barlow. And he does oh, okay. wonderful stuff. Yep. Um, so we're, we're getting together for that. The, the average miniature that you produce runs you about uh, two to $300. So and we, we may yeah. be able to pull that off. We got you know Origins was a was a hard convention. Sales were very down, as far as yeah. the uh, the uh, most of the companies I talked to. Once they realized I was a uh, exhibitor with that the funny spinny thing on top, they I said how you doing? You know I said we're I said we're down about half what we did the year before, and they said yeah we are too. So we we kind of all the way across we discussed it. You know different different companies and. Uh, yeah, it's, things were very tight this year for everybody. Yeah, I don't suppose you folks can see this because one solution to that problem of printing out is uh, Shapeways is now doing print-on-demand uh, miniatures. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. You now, could actually, at Origin, step on a platform, put your arms you know, in any position you wanted to or your costume. And you would you would spin, and it would completely scan you, and they would print them your miniature. Yeah. Now this little miniature is using their. Uh, I'm showing right now, is using their their uh, uh, pr- their uh, prebit system for building. You know, you 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 pick a by type and parts, and then you put them together, and you know, there it is. This cost me forty dollars. Okay. They were. So it's I not think cheap. The ones who were the actual scans were 50 to 60, and yeah. then they printed your miniature as part of it. And uh, they actually looked good. The people that in costume mm-hmm. they did were absolutely phenomenal. You know, of course, I refrained from doing the Good, patented Richard, Richard Tohoka miniature. So, yeah, I mean, basically, they have different level of quality. It's probably with Shapeways. Was it Shapeways? Uh, no, something else entirely. Because uh, Shapeways, uh, they ha- actually have different levels. Uh, this is actually the second level grade. It's, it's actually designed for fine detail, which is why I got it. But you can get a normal detail, or you can get cast in metal. You get they they can print in metal. Okay. And, yeah, and that though I looked at the price of that one, going yeah, yeah, no, uh, I'm not going to pay that much money for that for for a miniature. This is my figure. It's my character from. Uh, the gutter skypes. Uh, my char- my uh, character, Oof Kill the Brewer. <laughs> you, you can't see it, but he's got he's got a hammer in one hand and a beer beer sign in the other. 
Okay, I think I've seen that. I've seen that on your uh, some of your art. Yeah, yep, up, up on, uh, on my uh, Facebook page and a few other places. Yeah, I've shared it before. Yeah, yeah. it's good. All right. Well, I'm gonna take off because I need to actually get some rest. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll put a close on this and we'll stop. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for the TriTag Games podcast. Well, we talked about Richard Taholka, TriTag Games' newest uh, uh, addition to the Fringeworthy Legacy, Portals 4. Uh, we hope that you will rush off to www.tritaggamers.com. I'm sorry, tritaggames.com and uh, purchase yourself a copy of it to use in your Fringeworthy game or any other game that's. Uh, that you find compatible with Fringeworthy. And we hope that you will be back next week for more Fringeworthy and other type of Tritech goodness. And uh, we'll see you then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction. No derivatives. And sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.